0: Welcome to The Drivable Podcast, where we discuss all things about driving and safer community transport for people with disabilities and medical conditions. If you haven't done so yet, make sure you go back to the list. Listen to the last episode, which was episode 20 with uh, Catherine Ray. This was a fantastic conversation with someone who's a wheelchair user themselves. um, That was a, a driver. Uh, they actually got a disability when they were a bit older as well so that I thought was pretty interesting to sort of see how much someone changes their life Um, and the fantastic part of it about it is that she's also a um, support uh, planning coordinator or support coordinator within the NDIS and she gave some amazing tips and feedback on that Um, and yeah so get back there and give it a listen for a lot of gold.
1: Yeah, and in this episode, g'day everybody, in this episode, we are actually breaking that down a bit. We're gonna unpack the bits that meant more to us. So uh, pulling apart some of the key notes that we took through that interview and get into some of the, as we say, the nitty gritties of that last conversation and break it down for the end user so they uh, get a bit better of an understanding. So ready to get this going? Let's do it. Driving is something many take for granted. But when someone has an altered ability then driving or getting out and about in your own car can be challenging the drive able podcast unpacks the world of driving with a disability so you can experience the freedom that you desire i'm brad and with me is ali and together we have over 30 years of experience in driving and disability enough with the intros let's get into it all right everybody in this episode we are breaking down the last episode with Catherine Ray, Catherine Ray had a spinal cord injury at age 38, where she fell from a balcony. I don't know how that happened. We didn't unpack that, but geez, that would have been a fairly big ordeal for everybody that was uh, surrounding her at that stage. She said she doesn't remember it, but what a what a shock to the social system, uh, having that happen to, to, to somebody uh, close to you. Yeah. Um, so she went through the rehab process uh, there in Sydney. Um, but as she reflected, she's from a rural community in Tamworth. Um, I'm, I'm from Adelaide. I, I don't know Tamworth other than the music festival. So, um, but as I understand, that's a more of a rural community, more of a rural township. Um, and as she reflected multiple times, the, the need for a four-wheel drive is much greater than a sedan and at some point so um she reflected on how she had to get a car that she could transfer into in and out of a of a car that she could transfer at the same height uh, with a slideboard and and we reflected on that but um that you can imagine with a four-wheel drive four-wheel drive seats are a lot higher than a than a wheelchair yeah. and
0: transferring uphill could be quite significant yeah, it was interesting, actually, what she was saying about one thing I thought was sort of interesting with her story was that she was often a lot of the people that we've spoken to and, and the common story seems to be people are young and stupid and they do something silly when they're young and they, they sort of deal with these decisions later on. And And um, and her situation was sort of a bit older. She was 38 and then she's had an accident and and. What I was thinking is a couple of things. First off, um, when you're older, you're a lot more set in your ways. Um, Mm. You've got a lot more of a defined picture of your life in your mind, a picture of who you are. You know, you've been living through society and and interacting with people a certain way and you're pretty established. And and obviously she was in banking and she's definitely a very self-confident female. Um, So she was definitely clearly pretty successful, well-to-do person. Um, which in her mind, you know, everything's going well. And then bang, suddenly this happens. And that adjustment to me is quite, I guess, interesting, you know. Um, and that's what she was saying is what she was saying towards the end, but also kind of at the beginning as well, linking to it is that the walking is the least of the problems. You know, you, you get in the wheelchair and you move, and that's kind of it. But then you start going to your car and you go, wait a minute, crap, I've got a four-wheel drive. <laughs> I need to climb up, you know, and, mm. and I need a four-wheel drive because I live in the regional area and um and then I'm, this little step at my house, Didn't never even thought about that. And now I've got a little step I need to navigate. And so many little things start to almost fall apart around you and you've got to kind of rebuild them. And um, that's such a mental challenge around that process. And, and I guess really what she was saying, which we've heard it time and time again, it's that family support unit, having those people around you with that right attitude and, and helping you to kind of push forward and understand this new situation we could
1: just about rename this podcast how great are mums uh yeah. <laughs> the amount of times that mum gets mentioned um as the backbone of support uh when people have their accidents or or helping them through the process uh yeah mums mums are amazing um so share with um, at the time of this recording, we've just gone through Mother's Day. So uh, shout out to all the mums. And uh, yeah, thank out. you very much for supporting people through uh, difficult times. It makes a massive difference. And it came out again in this one. And I'm sure it'll come out in multiple episodes to come. Um, yeah, that, that line she said at the end there, um, where walking is not being able to walk is one, one of the smaller issues. Um, but it's all the other things that are associated that maybe on face value not being able to walk is that is what people see but it's all the little things that uh, people don't see that are more difficult people adjust to what they can see um, but that's the things that they can't see that people maybe don't adjust for and and she made mention of well these this is I really want to reflect on this because um, I've written it down in my notes here and um, you know, changing her, her catheter bag in the car. Her her vehicle is like her mobile bathroom, and um, using the car for being able to to attend to her personal uh, ADLs like that is is something that is is not always thought about, and it's one of those little things that are hidden from society. Um, but being able to have that privacy to do that, especially where she goes, out into rural communities, out onto Polo Cross where there's maybe not um, accessible bathrooms and, and bits and pieces like that, having that privacy in your car to do bits and pieces um, like change a catheter bag uh, is really, really
0: important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it really is. And one thing which I guess I thought was really cool which uh, we've all we really push I guess a lot as well is um, is this whole concept of choice with NDIS you know like it was really interesting like again to go back to this mental shift you've got a mental shift um, a massive mental shift of who you are and then not only that you're basically being told these are the only one or two devices available and you're gonna have to figure out your life with these handful of little things you know and And um, God, it would have been so tough in the pre-NDIS days. Like, it's it's almost hard to imagine what, like, that a world would We we operated as a society for, you know, um, because now, like, as she said, she's got, it was really interesting because that that compromise on the product is something which um, that part of the cohort of the industry or people, you know, with disabilities have been used to. Um, making compromises because they've obviously got to compromise a lot in their lives. Um, and, and even I found within that conversation, I mean, I thought it was quite surprising that even post NDIS coming in, um, Catherine hasn't even tried to change her car or, or, or look at a different hand control, you know, um, and saying, you know, I don't need all the blessed bells and whistles. And that's a common kind of mindset. A lot of people kind of, um, you know, think oh, I don't need all this special stuff and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I often challenge that, and it's not special or bells and whistles. It's I think that's a little bit of an Aussie thing. Um, you know, we like to kind of tone things down, and we don't like the whole tall poppy, and you know, having all these extra flashy stuff. Um, but I like to challenge that and say, you know what, I push for, push back and say I need what I want, you know, and I and I need what I deserve. And and I, maybe it doesn't work now, and and maybe it worked before, and you know, but but that that story of um. I get to. It, I need to put it on cruise control, and then, um, and then when I get into the city and start using it, it hurts my shoulders. That's the wrong product. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's nice and well, simple. You know, it's, a, it's it's very clear.
1: Let's unpack that a little bit more because that's what these sessions are about. This this follow up episode. Let's get into the nitty gritties of why she might be getting some shoulder pain um, yeah. with that older style hand control. Um, look, when we're not out, this is not about upselling products at all this is about helping the community understand what the benefits of one control versus another control is all about and those older style push pull hand controls so um, if you can imagine with your right hand where you're just underneath where your indicator would be um, you've got a lever that sticks out. And that lever, you literally push forward with your arm and that literally is connected to the brake pedal and pushes the brake pedal down. Most hand controls are connected to the brake pedal in that, in that method. There's some high-end electronic ones that aren't, but most of them have this mechanical rod that literally pushes the brake pedal down with your arm pushing forward. That's, that's the basic premise of braking in most hand controls what hers is is um, a pull accelerator so she pulls the same rod so she releases the brake back to the neutral position and then pulls that same rod and what that does is uh, probably in her car it's counter levered and uh, it pulls uh, above the accelerator and and depresses the accelerator through a seesaw type of action um that's getting way into the nitty gritties that's not important but what is important from my point of view is that she's using a shoulder girdle to pull back the accelerator arm and um, the the accelerator rod and pulling that back and she's using the muscles in the back of the shoulder blade and also her tricep and and, uh, anterior deltoid in her shoulder there's a whole lot of muscles that have been recruited there to pull But then what she's saying is she's getting pain in the front part of her shoulder. Now, from my understanding, I've never seen her drive, but I would say that's her pectoral muscles and her uh, probably a little bit of her bicep as well, grabbing on tight, tensing up and trying to create a static environment to be able to keep driving at a constant speed. So yes, she's pulling back, but then all of the front muscles on the front of her shoulder are engaging and becoming static. And they're working overtime to save that arm from releasing and coming back to the neutral position. And um, I believe that's probably where she's getting her pain. As an Aussie battler, as as we find a lot in these episodes and you just reflected on before, people put up with it. They don't wanna be a burden on uh, society yeah
0: Yeah, it's really interesting actually um though I mean we mentioned this before Matt um Caruana he had went to the same place and he ended up with similar hand controls what's really interesting is since that episode I have met him and seen him again and he came here and tried a few different hand controls you know what was really interesting with him when I started looking at it because he's does a lot of weightlifting and a lot of pull-ups and things like that his hands are actually really massive And really, like, there's a lot of muscles all around here. And I was talking to him about that tension, and he was actually saying that he doesn't actually use his arms. So he just uses his hands. And he kind of grabs the steering wheel like this and just wedges the steering wheel um, to accelerate that way, you know. And so I guess it was really interesting because initially I put that, um, I guess, going back to maybe um, defending the product a little bit. Uh, we're not trying to say that, you know, it's no good because in some situations um, it can be good because with him, he was saying that he is starting to weaken a little bit. And now that's why he came here to look at some electronic options. But between the last few years that he was using it, using his hands was almost too powerful because he used it. His hands are so big and chunky, like Hulk like, you know, so um, whereas, whereas, um, you know, in Catherine's situation, it's putting a lot more pressure on her chest and her back and so on. So just even paying attention to that really, really fine detail of how it works on the body um, makes such a big difference, you know, uh, and how what's engaging and what's not. And and what she made
1: mention of is that the OTs, especially in this area, really need to understand the the whys. Why do they need these type of things in it? And um, she reflected on it briefly, and then we asked her a few more questions about it off air. Um, is that driving from Sydney to Tamworth is okay because she puts it on cruise control and she can use cruise control right up to the last moment as she arrives in Tamworth or or, or wherever she's going, Narrabri. But coming the other way, from Narrabri into Sydney, she finds that really, really painful. So she uses cruise control, but that last hour on the freeways where she has to come on and off of um, and not always travel at at that high-end speed where cruise control is available, it's when she's coming on and off uh, in that last hour that she finds really painful um, and um, and really fatiguing, and she's exhausted once she gets to Sydney.
0: And that's actually another good point in terms of OTs, modifiers, everybody. Um, I mean, that's also something uh, I know that some of the team from our side of things, the modifying guys, have introduced a lot more into their assessment or questions is is what do you do where do you go you know um because maybe if she just never went to sydney ever it doesn't matter what hand control you know um but it sounds like if she's regularly coming to events and she's a fairly active person then um then maybe something more electronic would be suitable because it's not putting as much pressure on her muscles you know um but as you said if her only trips was i just go to narrabri and that's it um that's fine and and i guess i'm highlighting that because People are not there to sell a service or a product. They're there to support these people integrate into the community. Um, and, and so we need to ask them more than just, oh, does this work? Like, like as you said with the OT question, um, you're looking at the muscles, but then you've also got to look at the holistic lifestyle of what's going on, you know? Um, and, and on that point, that was one of the big things they talked about, um, I guess, on this NDIS thing that, that Catherine kind of um, highlighted was. Think about what your life is going to look like and what you need and what you do. And, and we talk about that a lot. And you've spoken about that a lot in these episodes, you've got to talk to the family members, you know, the OT's job or the modifier's job is not just to go, okay, this is what you want. Let me install it. Um, or let's make it happen. It's let's look at the whole environment. Let's look at what you do. Where do you go? Um, and, and what are the, where, and what happens that where you go? Like, for example, like you said, this person is going to, um, paddocks and horse racing uh horse events and and you know rural events where there's no toilets and and um and this actually probably should have been well i mean to set it up pre nd ndis but it's something that could probably be justified that hey i regularly go to these places and there's no toilet and so i need something to help me go to the toilet you know um whether it's tinting in the car or whether it's whatever it is um It's about understanding that's what the lifestyle requires. And that seems to be more and more what NDIS wants you to explain as well, the lifestyle, not not the function of the product.
1: Yeah. Um, The other thing that uh, was mentioned and you made a reference to it then is is the planning ahead. The planning ahead, um, if you want it to be funded by the NDIS, you really need to be thinking almost 24 months ahead um and that's our experience in the industry as well is that you originally need to get it written into your goals to start off with and then after you've got it written into your goals then you go and um find the ot or or do those trials and get those quotes and those recommendations that this is the product that you actually are going to need for the next little bit um and then that has to actually get approved um so it takes takes time and Ah, look, there's so many people that live by the spur of the moment. Oh, I would like this, so let's go and do it now. Whether it's uh, buying something for the house or buying something for yourself, you go and you go and spend your money, and you go and do it now. Um, but when it comes to uh, when it comes to wanting the NDIS to to fund something, then people need to be thinking a long way ahead. By the sounds of it, um, and it's the people that want it now that, that maybe struggle a little bit more.
0: That's, I guess that's a, it's, it's interesting when um that part of the conversation was happening. Cause what I was thinking was it's, a, it's a little bit of a consequence also of our current society. Um, You know, we, we want everything now We're we're used to having everything on our mobile phones and, and all of that stuff. And, you know, we, everything's much faster and so on. Um, and when you're, when you're disabled and you're in a wheelchair, yes, whether you like it or not, things move a lot slower, you know? Um, and so you also have to understand that and just be accepting of that and, and move with it as well. You know, it's, um, it's, yeah, it can be very, very challenging, um, especially on that shifting of the mindset and evolving. But I guess what one thing which I find, and this is, I guess, something to, if you'd like inspire, particularly the, the end users is um, every time that I've gone out in being involved in some kind of trial process myself, I find myself encouraging the end users um, the clients to think bigger um, because often people are just not thinking big enough you know and, and that's also one of the big reasons of why I love doing this show because we're showing what people can actually do. you know we've been to so many trials or, or, or places where people you know like this whole concept of the goals. So a little side note is um, like I like to work on goals and, and help people working on their goals just in general in their lives. Right. And, and I, one of the most common things that I find is people tend to sell themselves short. They give themselves very small ideologies and goals and things like that. And I'm often telling them, you need to think bigger, you need to push yourself bigger, you know, and, and it's the same with the NDIS, you know Um, you need to think like, because you're thinking 12, 24 months ahead. And as you said, Brad, we don't think that far ahead. So we often think small, I'm only going to be here in the next week or I might be there, but maybe in the next 12 to 24 months, you need to go, want to go on holidays or you want to go, you know, like get a job or or get a house or something completely that you thought was out of your mind, you know? Um, So search there and think big um, because worst case scenario, the goals don't come true, you know, and and a smaller version of it comes true, but at least that you've got something you're chasing.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, Wonderful insights there. I think that's, really, really good. And yeah, goal setting, big picture, you know, in a business term, they say those big, hairy, audacious goals. And, and why not have them for your personal life as well? And, uh, and set yourself up to be able to, to try and achieve those, but it's with the NDIS, it's not going to happen next week. It's, it's a long, it's a long process. And as we say to all of our clients that come through to us, we're asking for the government to pay for something. So they've got to go through their protocols. They really do. You're asking for somebody else's money and they've got to go through their tick boxes, their check background checks, um, to make sure that this is value for money. So it does take time.
0: Yeah. It's like, it's like another way of explaining it, which I've done to people is think about if you, I mean, it's, it's not that it's supposed to be a charity, but like, let's say if you are a person that is donating money to a charity, and then you find out that that charity went and spent it on something that wasn't what you wanted them to spend it on you'd want your money back or you'd be pretty angry with them you know and you you wouldn't want to give them any money into the future and it's the same thing with the NDIS they want to make sure that you're using that money it's not it's not yours it's not yours it's their money you know so they're giving that to somebody yeah. um, and they want to make sure that their money is being spent the right way you know um, and the right way which again I'm learning more and more is not actually about functions it's about goals and lifestyle um, it's a much bigger picture, you know, and, and I think I'm guilty of it um, and, and I'm sure others are of, of thinking, okay, well, what do you do? Let's see if this product is going to help you. What do you do? Let's see if this product. But I think the conversations more and more need to be zooming back and back and going, okay, well, like, where do you want to be in a couple of years? You know, how do you want to be doing living life? And then we can really reverse engineer all of that and find out what products because then also we might not need, we might have this product this year, and another product next year, but at least we have a bit of an idea or a stepping stone that, okay, I'll need this before I get that. Um, and that just makes that planning easier. And as Catherine was saying, if you present that lifestyle, the NDIS, the person on the other side, probably not disabled, probably even haven't got anything to do with the disability industry. Right. Um, and they're sitting there like an admin person processing files, right? So so that you need to inspire their imagination um, and, and create a picture for them, which is storytelling, you know?
1: I was thinking about that, I and I just reflected before. I actually have never been to Tamworth. I have no idea what her needs are around Tamworth and Narrabri. I actually have no idea where Narrabri is um, or what it looks like. So the the thing for me is, is that that made me think about, well, what about if I was the NDIS delegate having to approve this? And if it's not detailed about what the environment is like, then I've got no idea. I'm going to be imagining what's out my local driveway. Um, but i need to be able to see that picture in my head when i'm reading a report about why we actually need this um and you know uh, unpacking for them what what polo cross is you know what type of environment is polo cross it's four-wheel drive back roads dirt roads undulating um, ground and there's so much that goes with that within it whether it's the mobility X8 four-wheel drive wheelchair, how do we get that on and off? How do we get that? Um, how does that, how do we make that accessible for her? And as we say to our clients that come through with us, we're we're writing 10, 12, sometimes more pages of reports to try and justify what what the need is for this modification, both now but also, as you've just said, two years, three years, five years from now. And, and with vehicle modifications, uh, NDIS have made it fairly clear in recent times that they're considering vehicle modifications to last five years, yeah. eight years. That type of time frame, the lifetime service history of a vehicle, that five to eight year period. And, uh, and they want to make sure that the OT and the participant have thought about next five years so it's not just two years of goal setting it's five years of goal setting
0: yeah so one actually funny thing I was just thinking about was um so our company that I work with mobility engineering we're mostly engineers and we tend to really get along with OTs and I and I and I found it's because we're kind of both nerds about our topics Um, and and what happens though is it means that when we, we're not good at storytelling, um, we're very technical. And it sounded like what from Catherine said, we need to start taking some storytelling classes um, as OTs and engineers, because that seems to be what the NDIS wants is that story of what's your life and your lifestyle. And we're sitting here filling out technical documents about pictorial muscles and you know these kinds of stuff. And, and probably the other person's going, what the hell does that mean? You know, <laughs> just yeah. paint the story of the Polo, Polo cross, you know, and, and, and what's happening on a daily basis. So I, I actually think maybe that could be a bit of a, a weakness of what's happening based on this feedback, you know, cause as I said, for me, I've heard it before, um, but it was a real penny drop moment that it's not really, I mean, the, the product is very important, but it's about that story of that. What's the life this person wants to live, you know, um, and the community and how do they interact with that community? And, and it almost you almost need to be able to be yeah have some good writing skills creative writing skills in there. If
1: if if only we could live with them for a couple of months and actually really get in really deep and understand exactly you know when do they leave the house how do they leave the house why aren't they leaving the house would make a bigger uh, picture but you know there's only a infinite amount of funding to be able to uh, small amount of funding to be able to do these assessments yeah. and yeah, yeah. and but for the end user for the participant when it comes to why is an ot asking for 10 12 hours worth of of time commitment it's because we need to dig deep we really need to dig deep if we want these things to be approved Um, and sometimes the ot will say i don't think this is appropriate and a good ot really should say that a good ot would you know the client may come in i want i want this yeah, I've seen it on the internet. I want this. A good OT will actually unpack that and make sure that it is the right fit. And if it's not, a good OT will be honest and they'll say this is not gonna, this is not gonna fit you for the next five to eight years. And let's look at alternatives. Or sometimes, like what happened with us just recently, um, we pride ourselves on on coming up with answers uh, that are gonna make somebody's life easier sometimes there's just not the technology available it just there just isn't the technology available for that car for that client's ability for what they want to use their vehicle for and when you put all those three pieces of the puzzle together sometimes there just isn't a solution
0: that's why i really like that concept of understanding that story of the person because. There's more than one way, as the old school saying says, to skin a cat. So if you want, if that person's goal is to get a job, right? Um, or, or I don't know, whatever goal it is, and they want to go into town, then, and as you said, if because of that situation, the car can't be modified, well, then we can zoom back and go, rather than saying, all right, well, we're going to leave, we can go and figure other ways to get you into town or whatever it is, But but we're not focusing on What do you need to get you driving we're focusing on what do you need to create that lifestyle that you want you know Mm -hmm. and i think that kind of um that focus that slight shift in focus will make the problem solving a lot easier um the products a lot easier to find um and and also when you're trialing the products you can put yourself into the picture of where that's going to be you know um like For example, I want to do road trips, you know, um, on on in a caravan or something like that. So you might need a swivel seat. So then you can start trialing the swivel seat and picturing yourself, I don't know, on the Nullarbor or something like that, and 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 going, okay, yeah, this could actually work, or no, this is not really going to work in those environments, and so on. So it's that real macro uh, like view, I think, is is really valuable. Well, I mean, that's that's really a big highlight for me, anyway. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. probably tell.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I, I. there's just one more line uh, that I wanted to reflect on. And, um, she, you know, she wants to be able to go to a friend's house for a coffee. Yeah. yeah. But then the, ha- the, the friend's home is not accessible. Yeah. And, and just all those, all those little things that for you and I, Ali, we can, we can go to our mates place and have a beer, probably not a coffee, but maybe it's a coffee. I don't know. But um, yeah, we can just, Oh, Hey, what you doing? Oh, yeah, no worries. Come on over. It's not like that. Yeah, it, yeah. it's not like that all the time. Um, not everyone's home is wheelchair accessible. And uh, that was a real reflecting moment for me is that it's not just winding it back to what she said. It's it's not just the the, the, the part that she can't walk. It's yeah. the, all the little things that go with it as well having to plan that the other person comes over to her place for coffee, or they go out for coffee to a place that she knows she can get in. She can sit down or be be a part of a, uh, of an environment around a table area where she can get into, to to be seated at the table and then a wheelchair accessible toilet, if it's required. And when I go to a restaurant, sometimes you've got to squeeze through an old kitchen area out to a joint toilet. That's, Got buckets and <laughs> mops and ladders and crates and all that kind of stuff that you have to squeeze by and, and trip over on the way out there. And and I'm assuming that Catherine needs to think about all of these things in every part of her life.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's really important. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. So, so should we wrap should it up uh, there? Wrap it up from there. It was a really good learning, really good episode. Thank you to Catherine for her time. Um, and also we will put um, so as, as we mentioned, she works for the spinal cord injury association. So she was happy to provide her contact details there and um, they provide multiple levels of support for people with spinal cord injuries. So, um, so reach out to her and she'll be able to help you or put you in touch with someone in that organization that could. So, um, so yeah, we'll put those details below. Ooh, sorry.
1: Yeah. And um, I think that's just a new South Wales based company. They may have, you um... National offices uh, in South Australia. A similar type of place is Paracord SA, and uh, yeah. where they support uh, people with spinal injuries here uh, in South Australia. So um, get out there and look out for the companies that are going to have the experience, have the knowledge that you're after, and, and that can make a massive difference to you um, having your questions. Um, answered and exploring what the right things for you are because that experience and, and trials can make a massive difference.
0: And that's it. So uh, I guess, as we say on that note, in every episode, if you have any queries about what you can do and what will work for you, get in contact with your local OT or mobility dealer and set yourself up with a trial trials really put you in the driver's seat. So yeah, we'll see you in the next episode until then, everybody stay safe on the roads and we'll see you then.
1: Thanks very much. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Drive Able Podcast with Brad Williams and Aliak Varian. If you like what you've heard, make sure you like, rate and subscribe. It really does make a massive difference. If you or anyone you know would like to share a story about driving with a disability, or you would like to get in contact, find the show notes or find the resources mentioned in this episode, you can find us on Facebook. Just search at Drive Able Podcast for more information.